and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. I am Jens Nelson. And I am Lucas Stock. This is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life, striving for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. So on today's Creeds and Confessions episode, we are finally, finally getting into confessions. And I don't know about you, Lucas, I don't know about you, listener, um, but I'm really excited because when I thought of the Creeds and Confessions, like... Obviously, the creeds are huge, um, that we went through the um, three ecumenical creeds. We, we also went through the Chalcedonian definition, um, all really important historical documents. But now we're going to start getting into some of the nitty gritty, um, some of the deeper, finer points of theology by going through confessions. And we are starting off our confessions with none other than the Augsburg Confession. So, Lucas, why don't you take it away? Yeah, so we are going to be kicking off with Article 1 of the Augsburg Confession, which uh, I believe the full title is The Confession of Faith, which was submitted to His Imperial Majesty Charles V at the Diet of Augsburg in the year 1530 by certain princes and cities. But that's a mouthful. Um, Oh, yeah. (laughs) This, yeah. Um, This is, I believe, the first, it's certainly the first major um, Reformation confession of faith that was ever produced and presented so historically you know it's pretty huge for children of the reformation like ourselves it's pretty huge in that historical sense as well Um, and for many protestants uh, it is foundational for their theology Um, this is still the the main foundational confession to this day for the lutheran tradition this comes out of the lutheran reformation you know, Augsburg is a city in Germany. Uh, His Imperial Majesty Charles V was the emperor um, of what is today Germany at the time. Um, and so this confession of faith, uh, which we are just getting into Article 1 in today, but there, it's going to take us quite a while to get through it because um, it's it's uh, not a creed, but it's a confession, so it's much longer and more in-depth. Um, and... We are excited to do that because it is so significant for not only historical purposes, but um, for really, I think, setting the tone in a lot of ways for Protestant confessions. And if you are a Lutheran, um, it's, you know, sets the tone for the whole tradition that you are part of. So we'd be pretty excited for you guys as well. Um, so there's a really long preface where the the princes and cities that are presenting this uh, kind of talk to Emperor Charles V and kind of explain what they're all about, what the confession's all about. We're, we're going to skip over that. There's a, there's It's obviously important. It's obviously significant historically, if nothing else. Um, but we really want to get into the the actual articles of faith, um, the, the chief articles of faith, as, as the Augsburg Confession calls it. Um, so uh, we'll start with Article 1 logically, which is called Of God. Um, and we'll read it in two chunks. Um, so how about, Jens, you take away with, with piece number one of Article 1. Sounds good. All right. Um, so I think it's real quick we'll get out of the way and say we are reading from the ESV Creeds and Confessions Bible. Um, so maybe some translations might differ here and there, but we're, we both have this Bible. We both thought it'd be fitting to read from it for sake of convenience. So that is the translation, and 
starting with Article 1 of God, it says, Our churches, with common consent, do teach that the decree of the Council of Nicaea concerning the unity of the divine essence and concerning the three persons is true and to be believed without any doubting. That is to say, there is one divine essence, which is called, and which is God, eternal, without body, without parts, of infinite power, wisdom, and goodness, the maker and preserver of all things visible and invisible. And yet there are three persons of the same essence and power who are also co-eternal, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And the term person they use as the fathers have used it to signify uh, not a part or quality in another, but that which subsists of itself. All right. Um, so quick note that I just, it, it came up and it's going to continue to come up. We might make note of it next week, you know, to just be a reminder. But um, a lot of the articles start with also they teach. You know, we saw it here. Um, they use as the fathers have used it. Um, that means the Lutheran churches. Um, the, the the churches who are um, presenting this confession of faith, you know, in the beginning it says our churches do teach, and that's sort of the the subject of the teaching throughout the confession. So that's just kind of a like a logistical note. It it might be you know if you just turn to a random article and see, you know, they teach the one holy Catholic church is to continue, you know, like that's kind of confusing, but um, that just means the Lutheran churches, um, and. It's kind of cool that this is how they start in light of the last few episodes that we've been doing in this series where we've been talking about, you know, among others, the Nicene Creed, which they reference here, the decree of the Council of Nicaea. Um, And they talk about unity of the divine essence in three persons. You know, it's, they, they basically summarize it. They say, you know, we agree with Nicaea. And then they say that is, and kind of get into a little more detail, um, which I think it's kind of cool to notice the parts that are coming directly from the Nicene Creed, like maker of all things, visible and invisible, um, uh, same essence and power. Um, and then also, you know, maybe even like the Athanasian Creed, where he's talking about these three persons are, um, co-eternal the father son and the holy ghost um and it's just kind of cool to see the way that the you know and it's almost like we did this on purpose but it's, it's kind of cool to see like how the creeds they're not just long distant you know relics of a past that we kind of look at with admiration or you know appreciation but it's a part of the dna of the church <laughs> to confess the creeds and even as these churches are getting together during the reformation to put forward their confession of faith they start with talking about god by rehash not rehashing but representing what the church has always believed about god from from the earliest confessions that it has in the in the nicene creed so i think that's a really cool look just just a cool way to start yeah and i i I think it just shows that you know this is 1530 so what like 1200 years removed from nicaea and from the creeds from the the early church documents and the fact that it's still being believed confirmed confessed and in different parts of the world uh you know nicaea is not in what is now modern day germany um so this this you know went outside of 
the, the small region in which it was drafted and now it's you know expanded the globe i think it, yeah like you said to just to to echo you it's it's cool to see uh the some of the documents we've already covered starting to come up again and just it, it shows their importance um in the 1500s and today and then uh in in that that last that second sentence in this section that we read um the term person they use as the fathers have used it. So again, pointing back to the church fathers as, as figures of, of um, authority and, and where they're sourcing their theology from. But, but more importantly, that the term person signifies not a part or quality in another, but that which subsists in it of itself, which I think we're not going to get into all that that means, but, but it is interesting to, to go back to some of the episodes that we've done so far on the Trinity and even the Incarnation and uh, as well the Nicene Creed and the Athanasian Creed and you just kind of see the way that this is a really like technical piece of theological reflection to talk about persons and, and not being parts of God but get subsisting in themselves. You know, like it's it's not necessarily you know, kindergarten, Sunday school stuff um, in in one sense. Um, But it is important enough that, you know, this is what they're leading off with in talking about what they believe about God is that they are really doubling down on this, like, serious patristic understanding of the the Trinity. Um, You know, so things like eternal subordination of the sun, things like Arianism, things like, uh, any sort of you know misunderstanding or misapplication of the Trinity is is really just like clearly kept off the table, not only by what they're saying, but by the fact that they're pointing us back. You know, if we have questions about what they're saying, they're pointing us straight back to the Father, so we know where to go to sort of like check their sources. You know, um, and and that's just super important, particularly if if you're not you know necessarily familiar with those sources, like. This is where people are coming from, you know, and, and this is these are the the sources we ought to be going back to because this is where our confession flows from. Whether or not we are Lutherans who confess the Augsburg Confession in its entirety, um, just this this lineage going from Nicaea and and the ancient church and the councils all the way down up into the Reformation and beyond. Um, so yeah, just a super cool way to start, um, in, especially in light of the recent episodes we've had exploring these documents that they are referencing here. Um, so I don't know, do you have anything else to add in that first, in regards to that first section? Um, or maybe we can, we can wrap up with the, with the last couple sentences of article one. No, I think we can, uh, just kind of continue going. Cool. So I'll, I'll read the last couple sentences. Um, they, again, the, the Lutheran churches, um, they condemn all heresies which have sprung up against this article as the Manichaeans who assume two principles, one good and the other evil, also the Valentinians, Arians, Eunomians, Mohammedans, and all such. They condemn also the Samosatines, old and new, who, contending that there is but one person, sophistically and impiously argue that the Word and the Holy Ghost are not distinct persons, but that Word signifies a spoken word and Spirit signifies motion created in things. Um, kind of a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are some really technical words and some, I think, some interesting uh, designations for what we might call Muslims today. Is that what Mohammedans? Uh, or Mohammedans um, were, I'm guessing, and 
Um, I don't know what yeah. some of the other ones were. Yeah, I mean, so we have Arians. We've talked we talked about Arius a bit with with Trinitarian heresies and stuff. Um, Valen, I think Valentinians was were Gnostics, Manichaeans. We we see in like Augustine's Confessions. You know, Augustine was a Manichae for a while. Um, uh, Muslims and and you know Islamic theology. Um, I mean, really, what we see is a whole swath of different trinitarian heresies you know i mean we can kind of lump them together even though they're very different in what they might teach you know arians were christians who were you know teaching a false understanding of the trinity uh muslims are obviously not christians teaching a false understanding you know like but they do share in that they are uh theologies that are as they say, against this article that they talk about, against this understanding of the Trinity as three and one. Um, and Excuse whether for, you've got... No, yeah, yeah. sorry. I, I was going to say, like, are, are they saying, like in, in the very end here of this this article, um, is, he, is he saying that there are, are people of the opinion that would believe that, you know, as opposed to three individual persons that somehow, just like, you know, is in Islam today, there's one God... And so when, when the Bible speaks of word or spirit, it's like a different mode of God. So God acting as, you know, as he's speaking and spirit showing like motion in things. Is that kind of what they're referring to here, I'm guessing? Yeah. So it, if I'm not mistaken, um, Samosatines refers to Paul of Samosata, Samosota, um, who was like I think second or third century before the Council of Nicaea, he was he's basically like kind of the originator of modalism, like you're talking about. There's there's one person who is God who kind of puts on these different masks. You know, he kind of puts on these different hats to do these different jobs. So maybe um, maybe he you know he he looks like the Spirit here to you know save somebody, or he looks like God uh, the Father here to create or whatever. Um, and then also even just. Like it says here, different versions of that, I guess, like they said, old and new, different versions that would say, like, there's one person who is God, and we might we, the, we might call him the Father, but then the Word and the Holy Ghost are not persons, but they're more like things that God is doing, maybe. Which is maybe a little different than modalism in the sense of, like, one God wearing different masks, but is very similar in the sense of this oneness of God to such a degree that you, you know, cut off two of the three persons um it's just it's very yeah the the way that that they list these is definitely interesting um and um it's kind of just like a whirlwind tour through (laughs) false understandings of the trinity throughout uh history church history but um definitely very clear and kind of what they're going for here is you know this is what we believe about the trinity and in case you are confused here are all the different versions of the trinity or lack thereof that we are condemning as heresy we so have to imagine strong, that like pretty he, clear right he, he's writing this to a king or an emperor a ruler of a country you have to imagine that he's going to be aware of the different you know even if he thought they were pagan he's still gonna like have an awareness of the beliefs of some of the people within his kingdom so like i just have to imagine that the you know the author authors of this um you know in drafting it are, are probably specifically wanting to make sure that their king knows that like, you know, these are heretical sects within our world. Yeah. 
Yeah. And they're really concerned as, as you know, this is a much broader conversation, but like this is the midst of the Reformation in a Catholic country. They are, they're proving, they're basically, you know, like winning a court case almost. They're like, here's the evidence that, that we're not some crazy, you know, bunch of heretics following after some arch heretic named Luther or whatever. Um, but here's, you know, here's our Christian bona fides, if you will, you know, like, um, that was something that the, the, the Roman church was, was doing was basically just associating Luther with various heresies, um, you know, falsely. And if you don't believe me, just read Luther, <laughs> but, um, uh, but also come here and, and the Lutheran churches are like, Hey, this is not what we're, te- you know, this is what we're teaching <laughs> and this is what we're condemning. And it's pretty clear that it's right in step with the whole history of the church, you know, like, um, so um, that is what the Augsburg Confession has to say of God hmm. in Article 1. Um, so I think we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. Um, next week, we'll get into Article 2, uh, which is of original sin, which I think will be a really interesting one, probably. Um, and just like, like a quick programming note, um, the I alluded to it being long earlier, but... Um, Article the the Augsburg Confession has twenty eight articles and a conclusion, and mo- a lot of the articles are like several pages long in this ESV Bible, not just a couple paragraphs like this first one. So we're gonna kind of be experimenting with like how much we read in a given day. Um, we might do a couple articles that are related to each other, or we might do a piece of an article if it's longer. We might skip over some stuff that's maybe a little less relevant. Um, but just kind of as a heads up, um, since we are now getting into a document that is so much longer and differently structured than the ones we've been doing, um, I just thought it might be worth kind of throwing that out there at the outset. Um, so anyway, um, you got anything else you want to add as far as Article 1 or, or anything else related to the Augsburg Confession? The only, th- the only thing that I want to add is, you know, we, we thank you for listening to this episode, but especially as we continue this, you know, it was easy with the, 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 the creeds because they were so short. It was easy to just have a couple of them, have it be like succinct and understandable. And, but like, as you alluded to, as we get into confessions, um, as we work our way through historic um, reformation and non-reformational con- confessions of faith, um, just, we thank you for bearing with us as they are much longer documents. So this, that's part of the reason I think we wanted to, to shift to this creeds and confessions as opposed to um, uh, the, the Christians of history segment um, is that it does just give us content. It gives us material to, um, to talk about, to work through. Um, and we think it's important to work through and talk about uh, these historic creeds and confessions. So I'm excited to, to dive into um, sort of wade in the deep waters of, of such a, a, a grand historic document um, and to do so at a good pace. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So on that note, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you so much for tuning in today and listening to this episode of the Doxology Podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you can hit us up on Twitter as always or Instagram as always at Doxology Podcast or shoot us an email at doxologypodcast at gmail.com with any feedback, questions, or episode ideas. Um, sign up for our newsletter to kind of stay up to date with news and happenings um, uh, or follow us on social media and you'll also get to stay up to date 
Um, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. Look forward to next time. And until then, peace. Peace.